Some of you might remember, it's not the first time we've done something like this with John, um, you might actually have in your own personal collections this little publication, a fold-up catalogue from a survey exhibition, John's first survey, held in the old Lockwood House Gallery we used to run in 1990, curated by Annabilly. Um, and alongside that, I've, I've found in the files too, um, we've been going through our archives, because um, this November is going to be 30 years since we first started running a gallery in, in Lockwood House, and we found this quirky little photograph. Um, I'll leave it out so you can have a better look later on, of what is unmistakably a selection of John's works, and we thought, well, perhaps that's from that survey, but a little further investigation highlighted that, no, not quite, but from a couple of years later, uh, when we were helping to put together a, a definitive publication on all the artists based in what was in Waitakere City. Um, John being one of the preeminent ones, I guess, was the uh, poster boy for that project, and it's a, a woman named Beverly Murray who was in the process of compiling that. And we had another exhibition, a group show of some of the key artists in this area, of which John um, featured amongst others, but interesting to note that little selection of works that we have are almost identical to some of the, those that we have from that period in this very exhibition. Um, so I need my little props here, but that's enough of me. Um, I guess we're all here to hear from John and he get some insights as to, I mean, it's a vast body of work spanning quite a few years, 50 to be precise. Andrew and I co-curated this and Andrew's idea was to have these, these categories and to try and use definitions which were not normally used for, to apply to pottery. Um, and um, in a sense the things are chronological, but um, I work cyclically, so I, I come back to things all the time. And so um, a lot of things are grouped um, in terms of type or kind rather than in terms of time. So there's, there's a chronology often within the table, but not necessarily the tables are a chronology around the room. Um, if you if we start here, I mean, this, this is what I was making in um, 1973, um, my first big show at New Vision, and I thought they were black and white. <laughs> um, and then, um, I mean, they're made very much in the, um, the Lynn Castle way of texturing a lump, cutting it in half, hollowing it out and sticking it back together again. Most of Lynn's uh, wall pieces are made in that way. Um, anyway, I, I um, wrote to Lucy Reed one day when the, the book The Art of the Modern Potter came out, 1969. Um, and I'd sort of struggled with being a New Zealand potter at the time because it was all Bernard Lynch, Daniel Rhodes, Conan Tien, Mancho, Truth to Materials. Um, if you didn't dig it up and grind with your own teeth, you weren't a real man. Um, and all the major influences in my life have been women, you know, Helen Mason, Margaret Milne, Pat Perrin, Lucy. Um, so um, uh, one day, as a Greenland Museum boy, I wrote to Lucy Reed and um, got a letter back from her saying that I couldn't really work with her because her workshop was very small and I should apply to the Royal College of Art, um, which I did um, and eventually um, ended up there. And Hans Kopel was my tutor, one day a week. And so obviously you can see the Lucy Ree and the Hans Kopel uh, influence right from, um, this was my degree 
1977. Um, and while there, I got really excited because suddenly you, you, you discovered um, stain, commercial black stain. Um, so suddenly things could be black and white. And it was during that time that was the advent of the David Leach porcelain, which was the first um, white firing, high firing white clay that was available commercially. And so um, at the Royal College, they had a, um, a printing department. Um, my favourite film of all time is the Ken Russell film, The Devils. And um, I had, um, we used to go to movie jumble sales and I bought a packet of stools, black and white stools from it. And so I had um, day poles made. And um, if you were watching the big pottery throwdown last night, um, it's bloody hard to, 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 to band the, the lines off. Um, but, you know, with a bit of meds, you can always clean them up and start again. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was me getting interested in um, industrial techniques, um, which was certainly uh, frowned upon in that kind of Leachian Anglo-Oriental um, tradition. Um, Another interesting thing about these appearing early on is if we want to go even further back into your story, your beginnings in pottery indirectly come out of cinema and, and your work in that field in, in, a, in a way. Sure. Um, well, I spent my formative teenage years as an ice cream boy at the Civic, so I saw, you got to see movies again and again and again and again. And it was, I suppose, during that time that you start, started to see style, see how directors um, cope with different situations. Um, it's probably being too clever to say that it really influenced me, but I mean, you sat around a lot, sitting in the theatre, watching the same scenes over and over again, and it must have gone in somehow. Uh, I mean, at that time, um, Graham Storm, who's here, who was a great mentor to me, he was really the only one. He'd been to Arabia and Finland and had that European aesthetic as well and introduced colour. You know, it was the first real colour um, to happen in ceramics here. Um, and all that, you know, brown and green stuff. Um, Another thing that comes out of this is um, the aspect of narrative, which we've highlighted throughout the show as well. And there seems to be quite a bit of that running through the early work in particular. So these are all based on a particular film and reference a particular scene. Some of the other works, long hair, take hair, titles from song titles. So they're all referencing other cultural things and stories, and particularly the ones there with the texts and so on. Yes, yeah. Um, well, these, these ones were based on a Ken Russell film, Valentino. Um, dear friend of mine, Ronnie Thumston, is a printmaker, and we were together in, in London, and he did a series of prints called um, Sky Marble Arch, and the, the etching plates were shaped like a forced perspective, um, as if you were looking, standing on the ground, looking through the buildings to the little bits of sky, um, and there would be, occasionally there'd be jet trails that would be coloured, and so this was a, a reference to that. Um, pink, too, are you going to shoot to pink? <laughs> um, this is based on a Brian Ferry song, Don't Call Me Sentimental, it's got kisses. Um, and this one was also from the Ken Russell film, Valentino, um, called um, What Have You Done for the US Mail? It was a, um, when he was accused of being a pink powder puff, he um, 
challenged somebody to a boxing match, and it was the boxing match that he got um, hit with his helix or kidney or something rather, and ended up dying. So, um, I quite like the idea of, of um, I don't really mean shock value, but I like, quite like the idea of things like with the goldfish things like, um, they look pretty and you go up and, and you see the prettiness and then you get kicked in the guts. So I'm quite keen on that. Um, then in terms of narrative, um, I was a great collector of Crown Lynn in the early days. Um, and I thought it would be terribly funny to um, create a factory and it made Vortex wear. And Vortex is the name of the nightclub in the school, Ken Russell from Savage Messiah about the sculptor Gary Adrescia. So um, the um, Vortex factory, they only made um, shiny black things and they, they did wheel thrown core pottery. Um, so yeah, so, and, and I pretended I'd found the whole, all of the stuff in junk shops. And, um, and I had an exhibition there, Peter Sinclair's Alicate Gallery, which people hated. And um, Peter never forgave me. Um, this is um, Philip Dexter, who's a lighting designer friend, and we've worked together a lot. And um, when we get around by that wall, that, that's his creation, his lighting design and his lights. So it's a, a, a phenomenon called hobby ceramics that um, everyone thought was like like um, television was going to be the end of movies, that um, hobby ceramics was going to be the end of uh, pottery in New Zealand. And um, you know, you people go and buy things and they learned how to paint them on, they bought the glazes all of that. Um, and Rosemary McClay and Cecilia Parkinson and I decided that the devil you know, so we went to a class and learned how to do it. Um, I've been a couple of times to the um, Ray Tracy workshop in Paris, not the workshop, um, the museum room of this workshop. Um, and so I'm always very keen on this endless column idea. Um, these started off being um, um, influenced by um, Helvetica literacy. Um, so that, that was just like the V, a really nice angle. In, in Helvetica type. Um, this combining a form, it's not only enhanced focus thing, making smaller pieces that you can then stack together to make hybrid forms, but it's also you combining some of your earlier forms with new ideas and creating new shapes. And you see that with a number of these along here, where the cones and the orbs and the vases have all been merged and morphed into other kinds of hybrids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was there a point where you became self-conscious that you were digging into your own visual library in a sense, going back and revisiting things in that sort of way? I suppose you're always worried about being boring and, and doing more of the same. And I like to stir things up a bit. And, and I do work in theory. Um, I can't just make one thing. You've got to make about 12 things and, and you you know, you make the first one, then you make the second one, then the third one, you say, I'll just make it a bit wider, or I'll make it a bit taller, or, or I'll make, make the grooves um, different, um, you know, like there'll be three rather than even, or they'll be graded like um, fourth perspective. Um, 
there's got to be something in it for me while I'm doing it. Um, I've got to enjoy it. <laughs> so these ones, these ones, um, um, understandably, um, silicon carbide slips and things, so you're getting the, um, the volcanic, uh, I've got that for a reason. Um, but I like the idea of, um, you know, you make something which is so pure and so simple, and then you decide that you're going to camouflage it by adding, you know, what can you add onto something? Um, it's interesting, um, without getting too technical, the, the glaze on this is actually, so they, just, they all started like this, and then I, I put these two different, um, um, sprayed them on with a spatter gun that they used to use for doing the scenes. Um, and this is actually Egyptian paste, and, and the thing about Egyptian paste is it's the thing that they made those little circles and rings and ancient times out of. But the thing is that it's, it's a clay that's got soluble materials in it. And as the clay dries, all the soluble salts migrate to the surface. And then uh, when it's fired, the soluble salts that are reflected form the glaze on the surface. Um, but the danger of it is that you can't, you've got to be really careful with. Um, what you do with water because you're um, throwing away the flux, you're throwing away the soluble salts. But this one is exactly the same one, only I've reconfigured it um, so that it's made out of um, non-soluble materials. And I, I think I prefer the, um, the dryer because you, you see through the cracks and the fissures. Um, one of the other commercial potters pottery for a long time trying to teaching and that's yeah. made a lot of these sorts of yes. glazes as well. Yes. No, nothing nothing I do is original, really. Um, it's you know, everyone knows how to do everything. You just have to put it together in a slightly different way. Um, also it's original in the sense that you've got a real magpie ability to pick some really unlikely places. Um, and with industrial techniques. I mean who else is going to be piled pile on insulating for instance and, and glazing of various kinds. And that somehow gets absorbed into what is just a really attractive for John Parker to put it in his mood. Well, they are the I do collect stuff. It's called research. So these ones here, I mean, they're all basically the same idea of using silicon carbide slips and silicon carbide, and you're playing with the idea of um, you're wanting the glaze to um, bubble and then heal over. And the ones which are red there are just the ones which are turquoise with all the turquoise glaze um, rubbed off with um, carborundum them stone. So that you, even though all, all my work's fired in an electric film, apart from the black one just there. Um, so you've got artificial reduction in an electric film. Um, and so I was trying to make a, a fictitious culture and I wanted to, the PhD would be a film like Peter Jackson's film The Forgotten Silver, which is a hoax about um, the film industry. And I wanted to make a, um, a hoax documentary to give, give this work a fake provenance. So I was trying to work out some kind of visual language that would um, mean something to this culture that I was inventing. So I had to invent the whole, all the physical anthropology 
um, cultural anthropology for it. Um, and I suppose I got to the stage of, of thinking, because these, these ones came up, um, uh, of the idea of, of perspective. Um, there were two elements. There was a sphere and there was a, um, a sloping element that either sloped up or sloped out. Um, you know, just trying to work out what what the the stripes might mean. Um, I haven't answered that yet for myself, but I mean that's what I'm thinking of. I'm still trying to think of um, um, this this culture um, and and the crack one. Um, I was playing around with you know the whole idea of museums and how museums display things that are fragments. You know. I'm sure you've all been to a museum where they've had a piece this big and then they've put a big thing that's just a piece of water. Um, so, yeah, so that, so that these, I did these at um, AM in Canberra. So I was visiting art, the art school there. And they were black fired, which is a very, very traditional uh, technique in Europe. There's a lot of black firing in Latvia and there's some in China too. Um, and basically, you heat up heat up the pieces to a thousand degrees, totally seal off the kiln, and then um, chuck something in, um, sugar. Um, in this case, I used, um, used some oil. And so you just um, block it all up, so there's absolutely no combustion at all. And then gradually from a thousand, it just heat cools down to 600. Um, and they come out looking like they're covered in black, Velvet, and then you wash all that off, and that's what done. So, I mean, the stripes are adjacent to them, and that's because there are trace elements in used somewhere. So, there'd be a bit of copper or whatever zinc or something. Um, and I quite like the idea of, of um, when people think my things are made out of other materials, like if people think that is metal grey, or if they think things look like glass or slate. I like the um, the ambiguity of it, really. Um, so these these ones were they were sixties. Because I I throw blanks and I turn the shit out of everything and every inch gets turned, I end up with masses of turnings. Um, and so these these were made from the turnings um, with um, thirty percent um, toilet paper pulp added. Um, and with with these things, I'm working and turning every every inch. Whereas these, um, I can't touch, and so I'm piping the piping the paper clay out of from other source bottles into a mould, and so you can do a layer a day. So that's you know 15 or 20 days or something. Um, and Peter Collis threw me some um, bisque bowls. Um, and so the bowl is about this form though, and then as it dries, it shrinks and it does this curl by itself. For a while I did a bit of um, electroplating, and you can actually electroplate onto ceramic. But because the electricity follows the nearest path, you can't get any electroplating inside the thing, it's just on the outside. So, so this is silver, and the one at the very end there is copper. Um, and then um, I used to get criticised a lot 
because people would say, oh, I'm going to put my sugar in one of your bowls in the fridge and it fell over and there's sugar everywhere. So I thought I'd, I'd work on function. So this was, I made this series of bowls and they were called non-tip bowls. So no way you could um, um, tip that over. And these ones too, playing around with function. Like, I mean, I thought that this was like a, um, a very functional thing, you know, you put eggs in it and they would roll off the table. Um, so in terms of um, function, um, there's the Marguerite Wollenheim quote that all pottery is functional, including that which is decorative, because that's its function. Um, I've done a lot of work with <coughs> penetrations, um, things going through things, um, like these here. And I love the tension between um, the, the colours, uh, between the, um, the forms. Um, and here is a, um, a group of penetrations, but also I, I did bowls. So this is like a bowl penetrating a bowl. And you know, it could be like sort of four underdriven biscuit turners, like these going up that make bowls. bowls on the this was one of the ones from the, the five by five exhibition of Venus Cone. Um, <coughs> these ones here, which were the Brancusi um, Venus Cone. I mean, my, most of the stuff in this room is mine, um, and a lot of it is things that I had in exhibitions, and he would have said, no, it's still not that. Um, so I ended up taking things home and putting them in the box. Um, and so these ones, which I loved, but at the time, nobody, people couldn't cope with them. Um, but um, they are the, they could be this column, um, made in sections. The thing I really learned from Lucy was about um, um, make, making things in sections um, and how it's true. That you, you work out what you want and you work out a way of how to get it. Um, and I could never see that that amount of clay play at all in one piece. So why bother? Um, or if I did, it would have to be something space and experience so like this this one was made from here to here, and then I made um, three three pieces like that, turned them, stuck them together. Um, this gives you um, a lot more um, a lot more scope. You don't you don't have to be very strong. Um, I think this one might have been. Um, I think that might have been.
not even with the system is that this is an incredibly solitary and the data is all incredibly collaborative. But apart from that, your thinking is exactly the same. The actors behave a lot more. <laughs> we, 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 it was interesting when we were installing the exhibition, the way John approached it, it's not a very test-based way, and that was with the set first, so all the plants themselves came out. And then we lit the set. And normally with exhibitions, the lighting is the last thing. Once the works are on the wall, you then point all the lights at the works. But we lit the set, and then the actors came out and had to find the best lighting that was already in play. Well, probably it's a bit different trip away, but we can put the work in. Yeah, so I'll just do, I'll do that and then we'll end up here. Um, so I did a um, residency in Bhutan um, at a factory uh, that made um, bricks and tiles. And um, we weren't allowed to bring the work home, but I got there. For some reason, this had rolled off the bed into my suitcase. Because <laughs> um, it was one of the ones made from the brick clay. Um, and it was using um, raw lead, a raw lead in copper glaze. And it was when, when we were invited to go, we were asked to respond to Chinese ceramics in our own way. So I researched, you know, traditional Chinese forms, and I was going to make a, you know, a big white still life like the was that. Um, but then when we got there, we realised that the um, the factory was um, absolutely degenerating, and um, we were just trudging around in orange, raw, red lead, um, clearly not very good. So um, I, I did, did um, work on the, the Tang Dynasty green glazes, and then when I came home, I then worked on the Chinese, um, Chinese smith of it all. Um, and I bought, I bought uh, fish day piles there because the, you know, the ubiquitous fish piles. Um, and then I thought it would be interesting to give little narratives to the fish. And so I decided to treat the bottles as if they were like glass bottles, um, like aquariums. And so the fish could get stuck up in the tops of the net and not get out. And then that, that led on to, and also I wanted to put them on badly so that they, they are very asymmetrical and very unpretty. Um, and then I started doing scenarios like um, this one was about, um, well, about racial prejudice because it's got a black one on the outside and all the gold ones on the inside. And then, then I thought about, um, like this one's about rejection, so all the fish are swimming away and the poor one's there by itself. And then I thought, well, maybe let's treat the bowls like aquariums. And then, you know, a lot of aquariums, people forget to feed the fish. So, so the fish are starting to eat each other. So they, they become carnivorous and they pick the eyes out first. Um, but that's the idea of trying to um, bring people in, saying, oh, look how pretty fish, and they go, oh, shit. <laughs>